Hey guys, I just wanted to reach out to you and let you know that Surewinder is still selling amazing products. Some of you guys have been dragging your feet for whatever reason. If your shoulder hurts, do not waste time. Pull the trigger. I just bought uh, four or five of them and uh, we had two guys out. You know how much it cost me to pay for two guys being out with bad shoulders? We just pulled the trigger and we said, listen, everybody's going to have one on a truck. It's mandatory. You got to use it. Don't hesitate. Don't wait till your guys go down. It's going to cost you more. Buy a Sherwinder. It's not every day someone invents something that changes the game. I found out about this product that I'm talking to you about, uh, and I had to try it. So I ordered a few, and after using it, I'm sold. Now we stock them on our trucks. It's called Allbrace, and it will help you sell more service and buy you time until doors come in. There's never been a greater time for a product like this. Phil has a video on his website of him cutting a door literally in half, installing the Allbrace, and running it like nothing ever happened. It is literally incredible. One of the greatest selling videos I've ever seen. You're going to want to check it out at all-brace.com. Y'all, I've got the funniest story. So I'm like, uh, I realize it's too late for me to leave to go get food, right? This has been my life recently. Because uh, it's 1230 in Atlanta. I get it. Okay. <laughs> and so I'm like, all right. And, and I had already like skimmed some of your stuff, but I like to do, you know, I like to yeah. listen to some videos and read some text and so i'm going through all this stuff and i'm like dude this guy's preaching like preparation eating healthy all this stuff and here i am eating goldfish for lunch and i'm like man i need to have that this is going to be a, a an awakening for me <laughs> on my own podcast you know it, it, it's like this man uh those that fa fail to prepare prepare to fail i mean that's it happens to all of us. Trust me. I've gone through that many a time. And what's crazy is I spend, I totaled up how many hours I spend uh, preparing on a weekly basis. And I'm between 10 and 15 hours a week. Of preparing in Just what? preparation for the week. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What I don't prepare for every day is lunch. Uh-huh. <laughs> so... And there's an aha Amber moment for you, like, Ryan. Prep it. Prep Dude, that they, here's what I here's what I want to say. Cameron's like, I don't. He doesn't need to eat. He said he wants to lose weight. Let's just book him for lunch. No, I'm just kidding. I'm blaming I never do my that. own stuff. I just read. <laughs> I just read Jocko Willick's like the extreme ownership, and I'm still just pushing it off on her. <laughs> you know, I, here's the way I look at that. This we're going deep into it. Is keep it simple, stupid. Yes. Yep. Just kiss. Mm -hmm. Just. Keep it simple. And so um, I wear a black t-shirt every single day. It's a decision I don't have to make. I started, you know, two some years ago during COVID. Um, it's like, I don't have to think about it anymore, especially getting on Zooms, everything else. Like, I don't want to think about it. And yep. from a food point of view, that is a decision that I, man, I could eat the same thing. I pretty much eat the same thing every single day for lunch. I don't care. I don't care about food. Food's not something special to me. Um, I don't like enjoy oh like food don't know me wrong i like some food like give me some you know reese's peanut butter give me something i enjoy it but it's <laughs> I, not something that, that my life your, like, is not fulfilled food. without it yeah, um right. but then it comes down to just like what do i need to do so i'm not so i had some yogurt right before this um okay. why because i can grab it i can come down here are you doing this on purpose no, i'm just kidding 
No, no, no. You, you cued like, it up. I ate goldfish, and then I had one so, of so these. It was so delicious that I grabbed another one. Those are bomb. Those <laughs> are amazing. We can't have those in our house because the entire box of six or 12 will be gone. Like they're eat. not big enough day. to just eat one, but they're not small enough to where, like, I mean, and yes. it's not, no high fructose corn syrup, no artificial flavors. So I feel like I'm moving in a good direction. This is probably it's a lie. It's a lie. They suck you in. They make it just the right size that you're like, oh, I need to have another one. And then yeah. after that, it's like, that's still not enough until right. you have another one. And then you're like, well, there's only funny. two left. I'll have only, those yeah. two. A box is five. So I might as well just finish it. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan, Hello. nice to meet you, man. Nice to meet you as well. Tyler. I mean, we're just already in the show, so we might yeah. as well just go for it. Rock and right. roll. Tyler Dickerhoof. Did I yep. pronounce that right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, and I'm like, seriously, dude, people, and I, I want your opinion because um, people will commonly meet me and they'll be like, what do you do, Ryan? And I'm like, man, where do you want me to start? And so like, <laughs> I own multiple companies and I'm kind of doing all this other stuff. I got a podcast. I got a mastermind group. I got two businesses. I do consulting I, and coaching. Dude, I have the answer for us. I have the answer. This okay, will stump everyone. Help. Ready? Okay. Yeah. Somebody asked, what do you do? I shave my head. <laughs> just, just, just leave that. I, I just thought of that. It's People just, look at you and they're like, what the heck just happened? <laughs> just think no, about but, that. Okay. You, somebody yeah. walks up. It's like, Hey, what do you do? I shave my head. What I do. Yeah. Like just they will be dumbfounded and then they'll be like, no, no, really. Like you're tongue. not shaving your head. Yeah. That's what I'll get. So what do you that's do when hilarious. you're not shaving your head? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Full time so job. I, I, I like when I'm looking at your stuff, I'm like, dude, this guy's probably more stuff than I am. Like you seem to be podcast. You got this like uh thing going on with your wife. I click on it and there's like 50 million women in this photo. And I'm like, dang, if you got that many women's got your back, then you got to be crushing it in that because women just know how to get things done. And then I'm like, he's also got this other thing, like this coaching thing or what? I'm like, dude, how's this guy? There's very few people that I meet where I can relate to them and be like, listen, the world was not meant for people to own more than one company. It's, it's awkward for like, you call Verizon and you're like, hey, yeah, I'm calling about this account. And they're like, oh, well, that's not tied to your phone number. This one is. And, and you're like 45 minutes trying to explain to this person how your phone number is attached to one business, but you're calling about another business. Anyway, so you can probably relate to that, right? Um, I, I can absolutely write. And the story that comes to mind is when my accountant fired me. <laughs> and <laughs> the reason my accountant business, fired me I'm done with you. is because I had too many things going on. We just had too much for them. And I'm like, what do you mean? It's all simple. It all goes together. You know, at that point, we had our nutrition business that I started. We had a um, uh, a gym that we owned with a part of that gym because of where it was located. We had to have a nonprofit because you weren't allowed to have a commercial business where it was zoned. So we set it up as a nonprofit, you know, membership club that then there was a corporation that ran the gym. At the same point, we owned the property. So we had an LLC that owned the property. And then because we had multiple businesses and we had people working for us, we had another kind of shell company that was just all of our employees. So we could build out to each of the different companies with and then as well, I have some cows. So that's kind of a different thing. And the accountant's just like, how does this all make sense? And I'm like, 
I just told you how it all fits together. <laughs> it all fits together. Like Brian, don't you dare buy cows. I know, but I am also <laughs> working on the shell company to a degree. So um, where you have the employee hub. So to me, what was interesting in starting that is all of them became circumstantial. You know, like the first business that I started was my nutrition business. So my background, I was a nutritionist for dairy cows. I did that for 13 years. And that business started because I was working for a company and then started my own business, Dickerhoof Nutrition. Pretty simple. That's what it was. Um, and then as we move along, that ended up becoming the um, the business that all of our income from our network marketing, health and wellness funnel through. It's like, oh, that makes sense. Well, in the process there, we started a gym. It's like, well, I know from a liability, from a bookkeeping, have a separate entity, saves money, taxes, all those things. So started that business. Um, in the midst of that gym business, we were looking at having some partners. And um, because we had several different businesses, people working for one, it didn't make sense to have one company pay for all of their um, you know, salary. Right. At the same point, I also understood if something happened to that employee and they were to sue, they were to do whatever, by having different corporations, a lot of that from an insurance point of view would be separated off. Right. right? It's a it's a cheap way of having insurance or an additional layer of insurance. Exactly. And so that's where it's like, well, it's just simple to separate all those. So that way, if, you know, for example, my brother who worked for us managing a lot of our real estate uh, investments, if he was driving down the road one day, hit somebody, they decided to sue him and the company he worked for. That wouldn't take down seven companies. It would only affect one. Right. It just made sense. Let's yep. just do it that way. Again, it made sense to me. My accountant was like, this is too much. Like, duh. so we go He's find like, another My brain accountant. hurts every time I work on your stuff and it's just not worth it. Yeah. yeah. So um, no, that's, that's our life though, dude. Like when you are running multiple companies, that becomes your reality. Like everything's 10 times more difficult because you have to explain it to everybody multiple times. So this is this company. No, no, no. no. That's this yeah. company. Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, wasn't it? No, it was never that. It was this. And they're like, I don't know. Here, so. Here's where I trust me. I live it. I get it. And at the same point, understand. Um, Is it a bald thing? You think like, eh. you know, so I had a client one time, um, this guy, he was kids. great. Um, he, he, his name was, um, oh, his name just Louis, Louis, Louis Vermeer was his name. Louis was a uh, Dutch immigrant uh, came to the United States. I lived in Southern California. So there's a lot of Dutch Portuguese immigrants, especially in agriculture. And uh, Louis told me one day, I, I just appreciate this. He goes, he goes, Tyler, you know what? What? Hair doesn't grow on brains. Thanks. Louis. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I'm Thanks. stealing that. Yeah. Yes. And um, so to, to kind of come back onto a path, one of the great issues I think I have, and I learned this from like Donald Miller, the moment you confuse, no one's taking action. And, and to your point, kind of this, what do you do? That's a bit of a problem for me. And, and that's a bit of a problem because it's like, I, I want to help people. And, and I think what's, what's funny, when you look at all of them, except for the cows, all of them tie together. Now, the cool thing about the cows is everything that I learned from a nutrition, from a leadership, from a work ethic, all of those things. It started with cows because I grew up on a dairy farm. I grew Dude, up I on a dairy farm. 
what was that? I learned, I learned from a cow. Yeah. I mean, there was actually, I remember when I was little, yeah. they had those like posters. Everything I need to know in life, I learned from cows. Um, in my 40s now, I understand that, but they all connect together. It's like, and it was probably two or three years ago, and I was reading, um, you know, went through, um, you know, story brand and understanding the guide and understanding, you know, helping people uh, worked a lot with Rory Vaden and his company brand builders to really understand what problem do I solve. Um, and then I wrote, read the book, The Purpose Factor by Brian and Gabrielle Boucher. And it was phenomenal because Brian was kind of like, can you understand your purpose? Is it like, you know, can you like figure it out? And through the process of doing all the understanding, it's like, oh, my purpose is to help other leaders get healthy too, because I had to get healthy. And so when I think about my nutrition business, it went from cows to you know humans because I was always more intrigued on the human side of it, like increasing performance, being better. I, that's been something I've thought about for years. Yeah. Um, and then you know owning a gym, being a part of that, and then it you know getting into leadership, growth, and development, understanding this whole idea of what's our great plight in the world is that we have really unhealthy leaders. We have unhealthy leaders that think, oh, you're not successful unless you're burning the candle at both ends. You're not successful unless you're flying in a private jet and driving this car and having this house and that, whatever. But you treat people like shit. I'm sorry for using that language, but I see that and I'm dealing with it right now in my family. And it sucks because people don't understand what it means to be a healthy leader. And a healthy leader takes care of their body. I had a friend the other day, um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if you're familiar with Michael Hyatt. Um, Michael Hyatt just had a uh, heart an author, attack right? author. Yeah. And he just had a heart condition and he, you know, from that, and he's been working on his health and it was just something that hit him. And, and that made me stop and realize again, a leader who is not healthy, not serve people because somehow they're taken out of the game, nothing against Michael, but it just made me rethink of that. At the same point, if your relationships aren't healthy, then you don't have trust. You're not able to influence and impact people. Spiritually, I'm a person of faith. I believe it doesn't, you know, each person has their beliefs. That's great. But if you don't believe in anything, you believe in something that you don't believe in anything. And if you don't believe in anything, then why are you even here? What are you doing? Why are you trying to serve people? What's your purpose? Yep. And then it comes back to the other one that I think is really important here is, and it ties into it, is what's your emotional health? And we talk about that all the time today, and I don't care what industry you're in. As I share with people, and and it was so funny, uh, I loved that Brittany reached out to me, uh, so enjoyed meeting her several years ago, and she goes, well, Tyler, you know, Ryan talks to like blue-collar people. I'm like, I didn't want to explain to her. It's like, I probably had poop on my hands this morning. I think I can do it. It's okay. You know, it wasn't from a kid. And, you know, if we're talking about getting dirty, I can do that. But at the same point, I've also understood that I'm comfortable enough in my own skin. If, if you want to go talk, you know, in that black tie event, um, you know, a couple of years ago, I got to go um, on a trip. We were had dinner at Windsor Castle and we're in black tie. And it wasn't like, oh, OK, it's great. This wasn't so uncomfortable that it's like, let me race out of here and go put on, you know, boots and jeans and a hat. Like, no, I'm cool with it. And to me, that's where it's like the fun thing and all of that is it doesn't matter because everyone's a person. We're all people. Doesn't matter what you do. 
Now, can you relate to the person? Can you sit here and say, yes, I can relate to you, Ryan, because we're bald. I can relate to you because we have different interests in businesses. But then I also can come back to you and say, I probably 99% sure the reason why you have all the different things is one of them led to another, or there was a unique interest that helped one grow that led into another because you understood that was the avenue to either make an impact or grow. Yep. 100%. So my my thing, uh, taking a little step back, and then I'm going to get back to where you're at. Um, now I say I help businesses grow better. Love it. Because I have a door company. I help it grow. And I'm trying to help it grow better than it would without yeah. me. I got a marketing agency whom I'm trying to grow, but grow up better than without me. We help businesses grow, and we're trying to help them grow better. Same thing with my consulting and coaching and public speaking and all that stuff. So when I sum up like, you know, what I do now, instead of like, oh, well, I've got this and this, and I can see it in people's eyes, they glaze over and they're like, yeah. oh my God, bro. Like, I'm lost. Yeah. Like you didn't have to go into all that. I was just yeah. curious. Like, yeah, it's, they're not really asking because they want to know they're asking because that's how men connect with one another. It's how people connect. Absolutely. And so I was taking it literal and I'm like, oh, really? So I, I, I own uh, Aaron yep. over the doors and we're, you know, we, we have uh, 2,500 five-star reviews and it's amazing company and we've got two locations. I got such and such. And people are like, oh my God, dude, like when is this guy? No, 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 no. So I realized like through body language, I'm like, okay, yeah. I get it. Like they don't really want to know yeah. all that. They just want to know what I do. So now I say, I help businesses grow better. And they're like, hmm. And there's like this long, awkward pause of like 30, 40 seconds. And then they go, how do you do that? Uh-huh. Like, love it. it it's kind of like, do you remember the, the TV commercials for BASF? We don't make the products you love. We make the products you love better. Yeah. I'm like, what do you do? Like, how do you make the products better? And, and, Again, I mean, it's, I, I love that. It's a natural it, it, next step. Um, yeah. It's a little while to get to that point. Like, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about entrepreneurs and, and healthy because a lot of times uh, you either have like the bodybuilder entrepreneur who's like my buddy Todd Price, who's got his own nutrition brand. He's got a roofing company. He's got like, he's getting into public speaking and all this stuff. Or you have like, the guy who's overweight on blood pressure medicine and hasn't seen the gym in forever seems to be like one extreme or the other. Why do you think, but majority of business owners, in my opinion, are the other, it's not, it's not the bodybuilder entrepreneur. It's the, it's the undisciplined business owner who let his health slide in the name of being busy. Um, what are some things that a uh, majority of business owners do can do or change, or is it a mindset? Like how, how do you go from realizing that the clock is ticking, your heart's going to blow up or you're going to have a seizure or heart attack, or you're going to die if you don't make these changes? Like, what do you have to do to get to that point where you're like, okay, I got to take this serious. I'm going to, I'm going to start down two pathways. There's a place for everything. I, my, I met my father-in-law. At that point, I was, I don't know, 15 pounds more muscle. I, I look 
I was bodybuilder slash and, and he asked me, he's like, do you use steroids? And my comment was, oh, there's a place for everything. Meaning it, there's a reason for people to be supplemented with testosterone, all those things. But I also know this, you can be too far into that too. Right. Just as you can be too far into not taking care of yourself. And I've been there. I've been there to the point where it's like, that was all consuming, where I did not go a minute without measuring and knowing exactly what food I had in my body. I was carrying around the, the pre-made. I remember I went on a trip. I was in Stillwater, Oklahoma, of all places. And I packed my meals for those three days because I was going to do a uh, physique contest. So I was there and like my friends are like, they're going out to grab lunch or this or that. And I was like, nope, I got to do my thing. And, and all of a sudden that creates a disconnection from people too. And, and going back to the story I shared a minute ago, the idea and uh, conceptual this way, I've never seen a leader who is making the biggest impact on others when they're laying on a bed, getting a quadruple bypass surgery. Because what's that one? It's a very risky surgery, you know, it's like now not so much um, where people were, their survivability is higher, but what's their recovery going to be the next three to six months? Are they going to be at their peak capacity going back to, you know, talking about you and the idea to make companies better, right? To, you know, help them be better. Could you do that? If you're just trying to survive, meaning I'm going to wake up today and I'm going to hope my heart continues to beat. If that's what you're worried and you're focused on, you're not helping others be better. And I think that's where, you know, all of that said, there's a time and place for everything. Moderation is the key, man. And, and it's understanding if I'm too far one way or the other, and you made this comment, and I think this is what's really, really important. It's important for anyone, whether it's, you know, as a father, to be an example to my children. Understand, hey, you know what? I need to live it. Was well, a leader of the same too. If you want people to care for themselves, take care of themselves in order they can take care of their family so they can take care of your customers and whoever you serve, well, they can't do it if they're not taking care of themselves first. Right. And, and I think that also, if you're so ingrained, and again, nothing to take away, you use your example of your friend Todd, not to take anything away from um, that's not it. But if you're so far on the end that all you're worried about is am I, you know, going to the gym? Am I, you know, focusing so much on that? Because here's what I've experienced is it can be really intimidating to people. And the worst thing for a leader to do is intimidate others. Yeah. If I walk into my job and my, you know, my physique is, you know, hard to the point where it's intimidating, my ability to lead just went out the window. My ability to connect with people just went out the window. So if I'm so worried about putting on this armor and that's my physique in order to bring value to people, then I just lost people. And yeah. I've been there. And it's that armor of insecurity. And so, again, I see both extent of it. You can be, you know, Pillsbury Doughboy and like not care about your body, which yeah. if you're fine, you care about your body and that's the way you are. Okay. Because you can relate and connect to people there. But if you're on the other extent where you're like, I have to be so, I'm going to work out and train so that way I build strength around my insecurity, then you're just as insecure as the person who's like, I'm afraid to take off my shirt at the pool. You're the you're both extremes. You're an a-hole on one side and you're a doormat on the other. And that's not a healthy leader. That's not a leader that's going to impact 
connect with and influence others. Consistency in everything, including price, reliability, quality, not just quality, but great quality control. These are things that describe Somer USA. Somer is not some startup company, not one that you need to be worried about going out of business in the near future. Somer's a two, Somer and their family of businesses are $200 million companies. They're in over 100 countries, and they have locations in 20 countries. This is a large organization who stands behind their product and works through integrity. And there's not another company out there willing to drop what they're doing and help you out like Somer. These guys are awesome. Not only have they been loyal to the Torsion Talk podcast, they've been loyal to the technicians and the owners of the companies who install their product. In my opinion, if you're not at least offering Somer as an additional option, you're cheating yourself. Listen, first-time dealers, I've got a special for you. If you buy 10 or more Somers between now and the end of Season 6, while supplies last, we will offer you free shipping. You have no more excuses. The prices are great. The product is amazing. Go check out Somer USA and order 10 for free shipping. And I, I think that um, in, a, in a home service industry, it makes it really difficult because, you know, there's a lot, I mean, a lot, there's a huge percentage, double digit percentage. I don't know what it is exactly, but I got to imagine majority of home service companies, 50, 60% or three employees or less with the owner being in a truck running around, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, and some of these guys will stay there for 10 or 15, 20 years, which is crazy to me. Yep. But I ran a truck for my door company when we first started it and I didn't know what I was doing, but uh, regardless, um, it would made it very difficult because I found myself like, okay, my blood sugar's dropping. I'm hungry. I need yep. food and I don't have a lot of time. I'm running through Burger King drive through yep. for Whopper with cheese, French yep. fries. Where, where's the Jack? Where's the Hardee's? Where's the McDonald's? Where's the right. whatever's fast? So and the answer yeah, to that, in my opinion, is we start. I started doing food prep. Yeah, um, but that starts on Saturday and Sunday. If you get to Monday and you don't have a plan for your meals, it's too late. Yep. Right. So, like what we talked about earlier, um, meal prepping, and I started doing that uh, for a little while, and I wasn't consistent with mm-hmm. it. That's where it fell off right is my weekends got busy with the kids and this and that um and so just prioritizing and being disciplined but these guys like they're in a truck all day they're they're in the heat they got you know they're in traffic it's hard for them to eat healthy um but i even like i could see them like taking a 30 minute break and doing like bands or something maybe that feels cheesy to somebody but like pulling in a parking lot and doing like stretches and um you know, the elastic bands doing some little weight, whatever. Um, would that be crazy to like? I don't think so. And I think that honestly, like, I mean, we talk about habits and how re- making things a habit and removing. I was listening to Jocko uh, talk uh, the other day and he was talking about how 
when he wakes up every morning, it's not motivation, it's discipline because mm-hmm. he has removed all thought from his routine. It is just the thing he does. And um, he's extreme too, though. So he might well, be a little bit about what, what my man here is talking about, Tyler, because no, Jocko is a little bit extreme too. Sure. Yeah. But I don't think like extreme ownership. Yeah. He is. I mean, it's in the name, right? But I I don't think that's cheesy at all. And But I think that everybody, all of the owners, and this is something I thought about a lot with GDU, is that they they need some kind of like care for their own bodies because that is the absolute last thing on their minds 100% of the time. Here's where I think there's an interjection that it's it's so hard. Look, let's talk about that. You know, maybe yourself, you know, kind of go back to where you were, where you ended up starting. And, you know, you talked about being on the road, being that road warrior. Hey, I've done that. I've driven 55,000 miles a year. Uh, I've been behind a wheel where I still have an SI joint that is not happy when I sit because of all of that. Mm -hmm. But here's the other part of that. And this is something I've learned. There's, there's, you know, the idea of how do you get motivated? What's your discipline, but then understanding what's even greater than that. There's something greater than both of those. And it's anticipation. And that's something that I've learned is anticipating what is going to happen by me doing this. So let me go back to where I was. You know, I, I mentioned I was nutritionist for dairy cows. Part of that is I was driving a lot. I was driving, you know, 50, 55,000 miles a year. And then in 07, 08, I got kicked in the teeth. I lost 25% of my income one day. That then sent me into like, okay, what do I do to take care of my family? And just like, I'm done with that. I'm frustrated. It just, and so I ended up taking a job with a company where I consulted commodity markets. So that meant I was sitting in an office three weeks in the month. And then I was traveling one week a month to maintain my nutrition business. At that point, my kids were little, they were, you know, less than four. And I remember getting home one day and, you know, working in office, I was there till six o'clock. I was on call 24 seven and I literally walk in the house. My kids are so excited to see me and I go to the couch and I just plop down and I'm a blob. And here's what's interesting about it. And here's what struck me. And it's probably one of those things as I'm saying, it's convicting me right now. I grew up on a dairy farm. I grew up with parents who worked hard during my, you know, juvenile adolescent years. The workforce was my two parents, my older sister and I, my dad at that point, he was, you know, we are a dairy farm, but he also was a nutritionist for dairy cows too. So he would get up 435 o'clock every morning, go take care of our cows, then hit the road, go visit clients, be home by like three, three 30, take a quick nap and, you know, work until seven 30 at night. That was every single day. I didn't know any different. So if I said to my dad, Hey dad, come throw the ball with me. He's exhausted or he doesn't literally have time to do it. Hey, dad, come shoot baskets with me. It it lasts for a few seconds. And then he was off to do whatever. And as I said that, and and my dad was a, you know, collegiate football player, an amazing athlete. And here he was overweight and not able to do that too, because why he didn't take care of himself. He just worked. And I, you know, felt myself as I'm sitting on that couch and my three little kids, all they want to do is play with me. And I'm like, what am I doing? Why? Like, why am I not being the father that my kids deserve? Yeah. And, and when you start thinking about it that way and anticipating, what would it be to be different? And one of my great motivators in, in again, I'm, I'm 
I'm thankful that I'm, I'm refreshing this in my own mind is one of my great motivators to work out, to be, you know, take care of myself is when my kids are 21, 19 and 18, as they will be. And they say, Hey, let's go hike. Let's go play. Let's go do that. They have to keep up with me. And again, it's what gets me up to work out in the morning. It's not, Oh, I need to look good for my wife or this or others. It's that's what I am going to do. So that way I can be there in another five years. Yeah. And, and I think it's that anticipation that all of a sudden makes you stop and realize, hmm. and when you lose sight of that is I'll be honest, like right now, I've, I've kind of lost sight of that. I, I mean, I still have the habits of eating pretty good and working out, but I've lost sight of that commitment to say, I want to be there when they're, you know, in their early adulthood and say, I'm going to keep up with you. So that way I can do it now. I can go play football with them. No, I can go play basketball. Of- I can go play soccer with them. Yeah, man. I'm feeling like I know this is a buzzword, so I don't want to like make a big deal about it, but I feel like a lot of this comes from self-awareness. Up. Um, like Absolutely. everything we're talking about, you have to have an objective view of yourself and be aware because everything we've talked about, I keep thinking like you got to be able to recognize it first, right? You got to have the opportunity or structure the opportunity, um, create the opportunity. Then you got to have the discipline to maintain it. And be self-aware enough to know when you're going off. I mean, you just, in this freaking interview, it looks like you just figured out the fact that, hey, I just got off track a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know if you realized that before this conversation, no. but you're like, dude, I'm literally teaching something and I'm not doing it as well as I should. And I'm just now realizing that. And that's self-awareness, right? Yeah. And so I feel like... um that self-examination daily too is like so good. Um, and, and I used to be like consumed with it where I would, I would talk to somebody and I'd walk away and I'd spend the next 30 minutes to an hour thinking about the conversation, all the things I said, and did I say this right? Did I say that right? And, and it, it consumed me. And then. Do you know I, what that is? What's that obsession? What? It's insecurity. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. And, and that's, to, you know, to that point of self I justified what- it. I justified it by saying that I care about people's feelings and I wanted to make sure that I was like uh, doing a good job of communicating things the proper way. Mm-hmm. The, the, the number one barrier for leaders and, and people in general is their insecurity. Yeah. And, and what keeps people from being self-aware? Their insecurity. Because it puts this mask on you that I have to show up in a certain way, or I have to, again, going back to that comment I made earlier, put on this armor. For some people, it's I'm just going to, you know, live in who I am. I'm not going to take care of myself because it's easier that way because of the risk. There's other people that are like, I am going to go to the extent, like for myself, I started, you know, working out and bodybuilding because I thought that's what it was going to take in order to find a wife. If I looked better and if I was fit and I thought I was more chiseled, I was going to get a wife. He's a hot chick. The crazy thing is that's when I, you know, met my wife. But at the same point, it, it was me going through that and understanding. No, that's work. not what was that? It worked. Yeah, it totally. Work. <laughs> and and as my so guys, your lesson is go out there, coverage. get buff, and you'll get your wife. No, I'm yeah, yeah. Um, but it it was from that that was just a armor that I was further putting on my insecurity. Yeah. And again, I, I know people 
have been in this situation where it's like, hey, the armor is, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to become, instead of the, the hard and callous one way, which I was, I'm going to become soft in a doormat. I'm just going to continue to, to pile on and loathe myself in whatever that may be. 100%. And I'm on this path right now, right? Where another armor for that is men, like I use the term course jesting because yeah. I went to, uh, you know, I got my degree in biblical theology. So course jesting is very yeah. much like a biblical totally. term, yeah. but it, it's joking. It's poking. It's you know, like, you know, aggravating. Um, and uh, the Bible speaks to this, but guys naturally struggle with having intimate conversation or being like, just having real conversation. We, we create fake conversation to hide our insecurities, right? So it's not easy for us. I grew up in an Italian family. You know, I got an uncle. He, like, every day of my life, he's like, Ryan, you know what I love about you? I'd be like, wait, nothing, you know? And it's like, and so this was my life, right? You know, I had eight that were, like, you know, talking to me like that. So I was like, I was like, okay, guys, like, I get it. And so then when I got older, I thought that's how I'm supposed to communicate. Yep. So then I'm hanging out with my friends and I'm like, Hey, what, what's up fatso? Come here. You know, because I'm insecure and I don't know how to communicate. I'm finding insecurities and in others and pointing them out. And yep. then we grow up to be adults and then heaven forbid, we become business owners. And then we don't know how to under, we don't know how to handle, uh, uh, like tough conversations with employees. Yep. We don't know how to, um, when we see them going through a hard time, we don't know how to pull them aside and be like, Hey man, is everything okay? Um, and because we're so ingrained in how we were raised. And then a lot of these guys in home services too, like this is one of the main reasons I started the podcast was because they were, they were installers and technicians who worked for bad employers and they had the idea I can do it better. And I see the money they're making and I'm going to go do it, but they've got no formal leadership training. And they, they take what they learn from that guy and they just duplicate it. And mm-hmm. then they're running around screaming at everybody because that's how they were treated. Yep. And off sight of the reason why they left in the first place, but they don't know another way. Totally. So, um, so we're just duplicating the process and all these door companies and HVAC companies, yeah. everything else is just. It, it's it's not home services. It is every business. Yeah. I, I had the opportunity for um, conversation the other day to speak to a Lieutenant Colonel. U.S. Army retired. And one of the things we were talking about is just one of the I've learned is you talked about Jocko Willick earlier, but so many of the you know military armed forces understand emotional intelligence to a greater level than all the rest of corporate society. And I asked this guy, I said, you know, because we talked a little bit about that. I'm like, when did that occur? And he goes, what was interesting in his career, it was somewhere in like the late 80s, early 90s, where in the U.S. military, it started to change, where they started to understand being this yelling, screaming, hard, get-in-your-face leader did not get the result they wanted. It was instead having more emotional intelligence, more empathy, more compassion, more of like relating. And he tells the story of one day he was sitting, you know, they breaking they were out doing drill whatever break for lunch and there's a couple guys sitting on top of a tank they're eating mris so what does he go do lieutenant colonel right he's the commander he grabs his mri he goes and sits on top of the tank and eats with him it's like just ask ask them about life connect with them years later he ends up getting a letter from one of those privates and said that experience 
where you came and sat on the tank with me and treated me like a person is what drove me to go through the process from enlisted into officer candidate school to become an officer who ended up a lieutenant colonel as well. And it was that example. Good leadership. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And what happened is, is this guy shared to me, he had the example of bad leaders that yelled and screamed and, you know, all those things. And he's like, that doesn't feel good. And I don't want to model that. Yeah. And unfortunately, rarely is it the opportunity to sit down and analyze all that and be made aware. Instead, we just, oh, that's the way to do it. It's what I call, and I probably should stop calling it this way, but it, it's relatable people. It's the Bobby Knight style of leadership. Yeah. I'm going to yell and scream and throw Broke cheers at you. Yeah. Exactly. And yet best. everyone forgets that he only won one championship. And the guy who had a totally different, a more heart-centered, compassionate leadership style, won 10. And so we look at Bobby Knight and forget all about John Wooden. But if we go back and study John Wooden and that type of leader, man, that's a guy that most people in, you know, this whole military, he wrote that's a great book too, the style right? he had. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I mean, like we can just wrap up because I feel like I know it's so good. So much to unpack for everybody that if we give them more, I just feel like it's going to go out the window. Well, I'll I'll share this. I think the last thing that's important is you, we talk a little bit about insecurities Mm -hmm. and the only way to get through your insecurities. And like I, you know, shared with you, recognizing mine came from that same situation, that weirdness. Getting past your insecurities are the on, is the only way for you to be self-aware and grow. And the solution to insecurity is being empathetic. And, and to be empathetic means just put your arm around someone and walk with them. You can't put yourself in their shoes. You can't do that. If you're in their shoes, what do they want? Right. right? But if you put your arm around them and walk with them and to bring a biblical sense to it, it's like you can't be unequally yoked. So if you walk with someone and you're dragging them, that's not working. And if they're dragging you, it's not working. You have to go at their pace. There's one last thing that I feel compelled to share. And you talk about this, especially for, for that guy who, you know, is listening that maybe he's, you know, running a, a small HVAC, a plumbing, an electrical, um, some type of home service company. And he thinks his job as a leader is to drive around in the truck and go sit at each job, point out all the problems, and then go hop in the truck and go to the next job and go sit on the phone in the truck and go from job to job to job to job. Unfortunately, that's what a lot of people see the business owner and leader doing. And that's one style of leadership. And that's leadership by being a pigeon. You fly around and shit on everything. The other one is to be a leader. Is that how that, you got it on your hand this morning, by the way? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, the other one, is to be a leader in the trenches. Meaning, yes, I may need to go from job to job, but instead of going to job to job to point everything out, go from job to job, sit down, grab the, you know, the, um, the pipe, carry it with them, grab a shovel, do the work with them. One, that's healthier for you because you're actually physically active. Number two is you're in there with people. And I think that model of like being in it and that's the best leadership model you can have. It's healthier for you. It's healthier for everyone you're around. Yeah, I agree. I think business owners as a whole, like what we hear a lot with our, with our owners in our group is uh, I think they're so afraid of 
letting go with the idea yeah. that they don't know what's going on or that they're not going to do it as well as they do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that, that's a barrier to regardless of what industry you're in. It's insecurity too though, right? It's a hundred percent. People are going to judge me based upon that instead of judging me on the fact. Yeah. You know what? Ryan and I work together, right? Ryan, you're a project manager. I'm the owner of the company and, and Ryan, you put in an install wrong. Okay. And I come at you and I'm like, why'd you do that? Right. Instead of saying, Oh, okay. What'd you learn? Great. Well, let's go talk to the customer and say, Hey, we messed this up. It's going to be on us. We're going to learn through this process. We're going to fix it. Guess what that customer thinks loves you for life. They love you and say they made it right. You remember the, the Mike Holmes show, you know, yeah. Mike, make it right. Yeah. Love that. Why, why did he have so much compassion and love for people from people? Because he did whatever to make it right. He understood what was really the solution he was offering. And that's people to feel like they had a safe, comfortable home. Right. It's what people want. Yep. They want a safe, comfortable workplace that the person that I work for cares about me. That's it. 100%. So you got an event coming up. Yeah. Tell Couple me about weeks. it. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit more about this stuff. Um, it's a workshop, November 14th, 15th online, uh, two hours each day, short, sweet, but packed full of great information, kind of walking through this, helping, you know, leaders, business owners, even if you don't think you're a leader yet, understand and remove a lot of these fears and insecurities that we've talked about and also how to, from a mindset, from a routine, from a, build that into your day as a leader so you can actually work through it and get better. So that's, that's what awesome. we got. How do they register for that or yeah. figure out more information on it? Um, you can go to tylerdickerhoof.com. There's a, a banner that pops up there or theimpactdrivenleader.com. Go there. Um, you can uh, click to uh, get more information, make sure it's a right fit for you. Cool. I'm so glad Brittany reached out to you. This is super helpful. I know Tamara and I are probably like, oh my God, we need to send this to like 50 people we know. Oh, uh, I know. Yeah, for it's, sure. It's all like stuff that we're trying to teach our guys and <gasps> trying to learn ourselves. And uh, and I think it's good information just hearing it. How you articulate it also hits on things like it's different than the way I articulate it. Yeah. And so a lot of times like you're saying things, I'm like, oh, I, do, I need to do that better. Like, you know? <laughs> And I teach this stuff. So it's like, yeah. it's great to hear other people say stuff like that. I believe this. The only expert is the person who thinks they know it all. It, it's, you know, we're constantly students and it's just like, I'm just trying to get better. I shared with this, like, oh, I need to remind myself. I need to do that. Why? Because I'm just learning and, yeah. and I forget. And the moment that we stop learning or that we think we're an expert, dude, move on to the next subject. Right. And I believe this, that if you're constant in saying, what can I do to help impact, serve people, what we talked about at the very beginning, man, you're going to learn and grow. And that's when all of a sudden it starts to be at the ahas and you're like, oh, okay, that's what I can do. That's good, bro. You're Thanks, a great man. storyteller. Very compelling. You got to appreciate great it, Ryan. Story. I've enjoyed having you on the show and hopefully have you back again. Yeah. Uh, hope you guys, if you're listening, check out the website that he mentioned register for the event sounds like you're only going to walk away uh with more understanding and be a better leader and what's the value of that there's no monetary value like it's life-changing so uh you guys are leaders you're leading your people 
You got to constantly be feeding that and getting better and being a sponge. Thank you for listening. Be safe out there and take care of your people. Love you. Have a good day.